and we're live. How are you, sir? Fine, so far. Or should I say, <laughs> como estas, amigo? Muy bien. I haven't seen you in a while. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for agreeing to do this. Well, thank you for having me. Of course. I always enjoy talking to you. We've uh, bullshitted a lot over the years. Because uh, for people who don't know, years ago when I was personal training, you were my client for a little while. So we had a lot of chats at the gym and I always enjoy talking to you. And you're an anesthesiologist. You've been, yes, sir. You've been doing that for how many years? More than 20. Too many. Okay. So what is anesthesia for people? I feel like that's one of those things that everybody's heard of, but most people probably don't know deeply what it is. It's like Afrosheen. What, yeah. what, <laughs> is what, is what, it, what is it that you think it is? As far as I know, I mean, I have a very shallow understanding of it. That's why I'm asking you. It's something that doctors used to put people to sleep during surgery. Right. It's not sleep. It's an artificially induced coma. Okay. okay. So basically what we do is that we give you something to make you unconscious. Uh, that's the, the white stuff, the milk, milk of amnesia, what um, Ford Michael Jackson died of. That was, were, he was on propofol, wasn't he? Right. So you know the name of that. So we give you that first so you become unconscious. Then we use something so um, you won't feel, uh, usually narcotics. That's what we use, powerful narcotics. Fentanyl is one of them, mm. uh, which is something that's been uh, in the news a lot lately. A lot, yeah. So... Uh, we use fentanyl. We use, depending on the type of surgery, we use something so you won't move. So it's a paralytic. So we paralyze you. We make you unconscious. We make you not hurt. And it's a little scary. This is, this is a creepy podcast. <laughs> and we we uh, we basically control your body. Your body. So then, when you're paralyzed, unconscious, and not feeling. We take a plastic tube that's about the thickness of my little finger and we put it in your throat, in your trachea, to breathe for you. We give you oxygen, a mix of, usually a mix of air and oxygen to keep you breathing. So then to maintain the anesthesia, we usually use a gas and that maintains you unconscious. And as the anesthesia progresses, we give you extra amounts of the fentanyl. But why we use fentanyl is because it's a very powerful narcotic. Some people say it's a hundred times more powerful than morphine. That's what I've heard. Um, and we also maintain the paralysis. So we keep you keep giving you that so you won't move it. Uh, especially when you're doing some types of surgery where the, the patient can't move and the, the surgeon wants you not to move because if they're doing something very precise, they want you not to move, especially if they have something hot or sharp in their hand. Yeah. You know, if you move, then something really bad could happen. So that's, we inject those things. And then we control your breathing. Usually, uh, everybody's seen on television or somewhere that bag that we use. There's usually a, 
a little bag next to the anesthesia machine. And we use that to put the oxygen on your face. And with that, we can breathe for you with our mm. hand. And that's actually a very difficult skill. Not any, not everybody can do that. Usually it requires some, an anesthesiologist to do that. Because if necessary, we could keep going with that um, for hours, days, if necessary. Wow. Just giving you oxygen or gas with your hand. Actually, that's how it used to be done before those, what we call endotracheal tubes, and that's where they go in your trachea, were invented. Uh, people used to use that all the time. Uh, then we, somebody invented the tube, don't ask me who, I forgot. We put that little tube in there using a laryngoscope. It's something that's a lit um, object that has a curb in it. We put it in your throat, we lift just, it just up. Just sorry, real quick, try to keep this in front of you. Just, uh, just, you can pull it closer. Just. Okay. We use this uh, laryngoscope and we uh, put it in your throat and we visualize your airway because there's, there's two orifices in there. There's your trachea and your esophagus. Mm. So we want to put this little plastic tube in your, tra in, in your trachea in, through your vocal cords. That's why if you have ever had general anesthesia, uh, sometimes your throat is a little sore because that tube wasn't there through your vocal cords. Your, your, your voice could be a little sore, I, I mean hoarse afterwards uh, because that tube wasn't there. So we put that little tube in there under direct visualization and we connect it to what we call a circuit, which is connected to the machine. And the machine, we can set the amount of the volume of air and oxygen mix together with the gas that keeps you anesthetized and control your breathing. You also have uh, on your body a blood pressure cuff, something that shows you, shows us the rhythm of your heart and a relatively new instrument which we call the pulse oximeter. And it's this little piece of tape that is, uh, has a, a, uh, a sensor that basically detects what percentage of your blood is carrying oxygen. Mm. So that has actually revolutionized anesthesia. Because with that, we know immediately if something is wrong. You know, something's wrong and you're not getting enough oxygen, we know it immediately and we can act on it in the past because that, that is a relatively new um, instrument. Uh, in the past, all we could do was look at you. And if you, <laughs> and if you were turning blue, <laughs> if things weren't looking uh, why? If things weren't looking okay, uh, we have to do something <laughs> to find out why you're not okay. 
way you say it is so funny. <laughs> All Why? we have to do is look at you. Yeah, that's what we blue. used to do. If we, that's how we used to do it. Jeez. And actually, probably <laughs> before the 80s, I think that that instrument came on in the 80s. So it, anesthesia, okay. is, is the, the revolution caused by the pulse oximeter. And, and you probably, a lot of people know what a pulse oximeter is because a lot of people bought one during COVID especially those who had it, oh. bought those little <clears throat> portable cheap ones that would let you know if you're not getting enough oxygen. Is, is that the same thing the doctor puts on your finger when you go in for a checkup? Right. Measures your hemoglobin, right? No. Is that it, makes, it, it measures the percentage of oxygen your hemoglobin is carrying. Oh, oh okay. And below 90%, you're in trouble. Right. Man, that's that's quite an intro. I like that. So how long has fentanyl been used medically? Because that's one of those things that might surprise people like cocaine. Cocaine's been used in surgery for decades. Right. And ironically, ENTs are the ones who use it for no surgery. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, um, but people are shocked to find that out. So I tell people cocaine is not a schedule one drug. Schedule one means it's classified as a drug that has no medical use whatsoever. Right. So we're schedule, finding out that some of those drugs do have medical use, but that's correct. Another, another podcast. Like, like the research that's being done on psychedelics currently for PTSD and, and, and addiction treatment, et cetera. Yeah. There's a lot of that going on. And I, I hope they keep going with that, but uh, schedule two is a controlled substance. Mm -hmm. So that's your hydrocodone, your Oxycontin, your, uh, whatever, I don't know, Percocets, those are Schedule II drugs, one of which is also cocaine. And now I'm finding out that fentanyl is on that list uh, apparently as well. Right. So what was the question? About how, how long has it been used medically? Probably, I think it was. Because I never even heard about it, started to cut you off, until it started popping up in the news like in the last year. Right. For the general public. Yeah. We've been using it. I think it was, I used it during my the early part of my career and my training us in the 80s so it's probably came on in the 80s it's wow. it's a relatively new drug and the reason why we like it is because it wears out we can kind of predict when it's going to wear out oh really so, so does it have a short half-life right so we we can tell when it's going to wear out and we want it to wear out when we want it to wear out because mm. it's time to wake up the patient <laughs> we have to undo the things we did. Do you do that by injecting adrenaline? No. How, how do you wake a patient no. up? <laughs> how do you wake you a patient fool. up? <laughs> I didn't go to medical school. That's why you're here. Okay. No. <laughs> this is how we wake patients up. So the, the, the surgeons finishing their sewing or whatever, their, their handiwork. And then... Um, when they're finishing, we start undoing what we did. So, uh, what are you drinking? Liquid death. Qu'est-ce que c'est? What is that? It's, uh, you know, it's this thing that my buddy, Dr. Garcia, I don't know if you've ever worked with him. He's an orthopedic surgeon here in town, introduced me to. I, I know of him. I haven't met him. Esteban Garcia, great guy. Um, and it's just sparkling water. Oh, okay. This one is lime flavored. That's why it's green. Well, liquid but death it's just sounds 
dangerous. This one actually has a little bit of sugar, three grams of sugar. The black can, I believe, is just straight sparkling water. doesn't have anything in it. Yeah, so it sounds... Are we advertising liquid? That? No, but I am going to advertise that whiskey later. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so the search is finishing. And we know more or less how, where our fentanyl is at. I kind of will have an idea how much is left in the body. And we want some of it to still be working because of pain. We don't want the patient waking up screaming mm -hmm. in pain. Well, depending on what they did, some things aren't, aren't very painful. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> you said depending on what they did, <laughs> like if they misbehaved, you're going to make no. them wake up screaming. <laughs> no, 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 no. You fool. We're talking about like a uh, fractured leg. I always say don't mess with Manny. Like he'll, he'll do, he can inject some shit in you, make your heart stop, make you induce paralysis, cause you pain. Uh, yeah. Don't mess with anesthesiologists. Okay. So then we know where the fentanyl is at. Um, the next thing we have to undo, make sure we've, uh, slowly dialed off the gas. That gas needs to be off the body in order for you to wake up, wake up. So we turn the gas off and we turn the, um, oxygen up. We start giving you a lot of oxygen. Uh, so the, to, so as to blow off the gas, mm. to get the gas out of your system. And, um, after that, we make sure we check on the paralysis. We, we use this little instrument that looks like a cattle prod to see if you're still paralyzed. We stimulate somewhere where there's a nerve, mm. uh, an arm, your face, and we find out if you're still paralyzed. We have some medications that reverse the, uh, the paralysis, but it has to have started reversing already. There can't be too much of that on board. And there's some newer medications that we can use, even if you're extremely paralyzed to undo the paralysis. Because obviously we, we want you uh, to be able to breathe on your own. Yeah, right, right. So when you're, I had no idea that when people go under anesthesia, Essentially, you're causing cardiac arrest. Mm. Isn't that why you have to breathe for them? Is their heart no, no, no. Are you paralyzing no, no. their respiratory system? Well, the muscles that help you breathe, not your heart. Uh, okay, so the heart's still beating. Yes. Are the lungs working? Uh, they're working in the sense that I'm pushing the air in. In the, right. That's the, why you have to push the, the air. Oxygen. I mean, the lungs are working in that the oxygen is going through the alveoli into your body mm. okay so we need that obviously you can't do without that you can't do without oxygen so the oxygen you're oxygenating the blood artificially some would say that the x-ray machine was the most revolutionary invention in the history of medicine, because it allows you to diagnose a condition inside the body without cutting people open. I wonder if, it, to me, it sounds like there's two most revolutionary inventions in medicine, anesthesia and the x-ray machine. Well, thank you for that. Because be, well, sure. well, before anesthesia, I, I mean, surgery was incredibly barbaric. 
Sure. It, it was like, here, drink this whiskey and bite down on this towel while I saw your foot off. <laughs> like, well, now there was some of that. So, I mean, compare that to what you're talking about today. Some cultures were more sophisticated than we give them credit for. There, there was some other primitive anesthesia in other cultures. The Aztecs, the Chinese did have some sort. We don't give some other cultures the credit they deserve. I suck at history. How long ago was the Aztecs? Ah, probably they were in the late to mid 1400s. That long ago. It's like uh -huh. 600 years ago. They were right. using anesthesia. And because remember, they used to do human sacrifices. <laughs> did, they, did they give people anesthesia before they sacrificed they made them? them? Well, I don't think they would go <laughs> willingly, you know, they would hold them, but they were drugs. Wow. So do we know what kind of drugs they were using as anesthetics? Probably there then? may be some people who know. What? Obviously, they are not going to divulge that info. Um, well, I mean, like, is there a certain plant in that region that has anesthetic properties or something? Like, I, I'm many, just wondering, wondering how much you've looked into it. I haven't really looked into what they use, but I know they use okay. some stuff to kind of sedate the person they were going to pull out the heart. They're the ones, was that the Aztecs or the Mayans where they would, the king would sit up top like on a high hill or something and they would walk up the stairs and he had a stone and he would break the person's back on the stone and reach inside and pull their heart out? <laughs> not quite that way. I think that was the, the Mayans, king, I'm the, not sure. The, the, I, well, the Mayas did also do human sacrifice. Everybody's done every, human everybody. sacrifice. I mean, throughout every, history. Every culture in the world has had human sacrifices. Yeah. Because we're just, fucking weird like that. Not not just us people. So, uh, no, it wasn't the king. The king wasn't involved in any of that. It was, there were some priests who did it. Because they the their theory was that by offering human, the human heart and human blood, the, the sun would keep shining. So let's see. I pulled up a quick little research here on the um, Aztecs and anesthesia. We could check it out there. So the Aztec employed peyote. Uh, what, how do you say that? Lophophora williamsi as an anesthetic for many years yeah. before contact Somehow with Europeans. Somehow it got a, a Western name. <laughs> Peyote. Aztec physicians used the lotion made from the root of the plant for health problems such as sore feet and headaches. Peyote. So the plant, I, I'm assuming, they, is called Lofofora. They didn't Lofofora. necessarily use it uh, for human sacrifices. I don't know what they used. I didn't, uh, as an anesthetic. Probably the whoever they gave peyote, peyote to uh was semi-conscious or was in another in another dimension was not was not <laughs> completely conscious but it was in an altered state i don't know necessarily that peyote it's implying what you found that it causes anesthesia which is questionable because peyote is a hallucinogen mm. so 
hallucinogenic substances don't necessarily cause anesthesia. Anesthesia, by its meaning, means no sensation. So I doubt we give uh, what we find in the internet too much value. I really doubt it seriously that I may be wrong that peyote causes anesthesia. Hmm. It causes an altered state that we know. We've known for a long time. Let's see if Google says anything. Uh, that's going to be, that's going to give me a long thing. Peyote, peyote, is that how you say it? Peyote. Peyote uses and side effects. What website is this? Webmed, webmd.com. Is that reliable? I wouldn't know. <laughs> People use peyote to cause hallucinations, that's what you're saying, and for conditions such as fever, wounds, and joint pain, but there is no good scientific evidence to support these uses. Using peyote can also be unsafe. How does it work? It contains a chemical called mescaline, which causes hallucinations. So whatever this website, okay, now it's getting weird. <laughs> what are all these ads? Whatever this website is saying is all about uh, hallucinations, nothing on anesthesia. Right. Although, if you go across the border, on the bridge, sometimes uh, people sell uh, something they make out of peyote to to uh, to help people who have joint pain. I do know that. Really? So it's it's possible that it has some analgesic capabilities. I just hasn't know. really been studied, uh, or used used because yeah. it's a in this country is completely illegal so you can't legally it's a schedule one drug okay it's highly illegal you could go to jail for having that Yikes. immediately unless you're in oregon everything's legal in oregon <laughs> not did you, did necessarily you see that? They, they they legalized everything like a year no, and a half ago no 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 dear <laughs> <laughs> okay well, tell me educate tell me, me. It's, <laughs> it's not, um, it's not legal, but it's not, uh, criminal criminal. So it's decriminalized, not legalized. That's right. So you don't go to prison. You just get a ticket. I don't know. I really don't know. I think that's what they did with marijuana in Texas. Right. But I think it varies County to County. I have no idea. I just, I've had people tell me like, well, if you have a blunt with you and you're driving through that County, you better not speed. But if you get pulled over in this other County, then you just get a ticket. So it's a lot less risky. And I'm like, well, I don't have to worry about it. Cause I don't drive around with blunts. So <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> don't drive around. with. I'm, well, I'm just not a fan of marijuana. I mean, I've tried it a couple of times in my life, like in my early twenties and I just, I don't enjoy the experience. So why would I keep doing it? How did you feel? What do you recall? It, there's, I remember the munchies and I remember being really relaxed. You feel like you can hit stretches deeper than you normally would. Like you're in a hot yoga class or something. Like you just start stretching <laughs> and you just feel really relaxed. You feel warm. I wonder if it stimulates blood flow because you feel warm. You feel relaxed. I, I was sitting on the floor at one point, stretching, felt really good. So you went um, to do a, a yoga here's, class stoned? No, 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 no. This was just at my buddy's house. I, it's, it's not a, it's not an unenjoyable experience. I think my biggest issue with it is that it lasts too fucking long. I don't want to do anything that's going to have an effect on me for hours. 
If it was like a 30 minute thing and it wore off, you I'd, must have, I'd probably do it like once a month, but it takes too have, long. I got shit to do. You you must have consumed very large, large amounts. Well, when you smoke it, there's, there's a limit, right? Like once you start coughing, that's kind of your signal to stop. That's when people normally stop smoking unless you're Snoop Dogg. But that's normally when people, once you start coughing, like that's it. That's when you, you get your high and, and you're pretty much done at that point. So was that's your, the thing. Like, was your friend a stoner? Oh, big time. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh, my so God. he gave you yes. probably too much because you probably could. No, no, no. He no. It's just it's like here's this thing, puff on it, and there's no recipe. I mean, there's no prescription. <laughs> you know, you just it's not like take two puffs and then wait thirty minutes. You know, it's just like, yeah, you just you took a hit. I probably took a really deep hit because I coughed a lot. Uh, and, and, he, and usually, if, if people who are uh major users and it sounds like your friend is he was yeah he actually stopped cold turkey a while ago but for a while he was like day and night they those people usually consume very powerful stuff oh yeah he's done cocaine and some other shit um but yeah i mean that's my issue with ayahuasca like as much as i'm curious about it just from everything that people have told me yeah, I got friends who go on these ayahuasca retreats in South America and even in Mexico and, and, and other places. And I'm like, it lasts for 10 hours. I don't want to be hallucinating for 10 fucking hours. It's very powerful. <laughs> like, it's that's very too powerful long. Drug. That's way too long. Now, what about that ketamine? Is that something that that you use in like in what you do right now? Because I know certain anesthesiologists who have their own private clinics are using ketamine IVs nowadays right. for treatment it's, of PTSD, uh, depression. It, it basically separates your body from your brain, kind of, sort of. Um, you're not really, uh, uh, I mean, it has some pain, pain, uh, sub, I mean, it decreases the pain. And if you give enough, you can render somebody unconscious. We use it in combination with some other medications okay. to to help uh, anesthesia, especially when we're doing sedation. We can use ketamine for that. And, you know, some people call it like horse anesthesia or animal anesthesia. They often use it, veterinarians often use it for that for that purpose it's a, it's a good medication so because i have a friend of mine who's an anesthesiologist and then he left the hospital a few years ago opened his own clinic and he's big on using ketamine iv treatments uh i guess there's no harm in saying dr ibrahim uh dunya pain management is his clinic and uh yeah he, he i talked to him about it one time i don't remember his explanation um and he was he was using it for uh I believe, you know, I don't want to say what he was using it for because I don't remember exactly. But from what I remember about it is that it's good. It does something to the neural synapses, right? What, is, what yeah. the fuck does it do? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, an, I'm not an expert on ketamine. Yeah. Um, but it's it's being used uh, as a, a treatment for... Uh, PTSD? For PTSD. So is it... Sure. So Anxiety. it's it's... From what I remember is it's kind of a psychedelic, almost comparable to psilocybin. No. No? Not at no, all? Okay. No, you won't, you won't hallucinate on it. Okay, okay. You might, well, no, it's not a hallucinogen. Yeah. Um, 
it gets it gets you in a state that where they may be able to to get you to get in touch with your trauma and treat the trauma. It, it's also very good for uh, depression because I think when you I believe that when you're in a constant state of depression, if you're d very down for a long time, um, you it becomes a learned behavior to some extent. Uh, obviously, there's some uh, neurochemical disturbances there that may be present. Maybe. So it's some things that are being studied and aren't known completely 100%. But ketamine makes you feel good. And okay. sometimes people are helped a lot by just knowing what feeling good is like. Because mm. if you haven't felt well for a long time, if you're always depressed, feeling good for a while is good for you. Uh, if people tell me they're feeling down, I tell them that I can fill them up. <laughs> you ever seen that meme? If you're feeling down, I can fill you up. <laughs> sure. Uh, I love memes. I think the internet is hilarious. I don't actually use that line. I just think it's a funny meme. So the, I was listening to the psychiatrist the other day, actually. It's interesting you just mentioned, mentioned that right now. Because he was saying that there has never been a study done to show that there's such a thing as a chemical imbalance in the brain that's linked to depression. Mm. And I know you're not a psychiatrist. It's just you mentioned that right now and it made me think about it. So I, 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 this guy could be full of shit for all I know. I haven't looked at any studies. I don't know. There's some, there's docu, let's put it this way. There's documented chemical imbalances. So. Let's see if I can find it while you're talking. I'm listening. So I'm not sure that that is true. I mean, you can't exactly substantiate that, that the found chemical imbalances are, are the direct cause of depression mm -hmm. but there are some things that uh lead you to believe that there are chemical imbalances let me see i could pull it up i don't know if people will be able to hear it probably not so just bear with us for like 30 seconds folks but we'll be able to hear it when i went to medical school there were only six or seven items in the manual now there are over 300 I mean, you mean to tell me that there have been 294 diseases discovered in the last 60 years? In psychiatry alone? It's a joke. An epidemic of psychiatry. We don't have an epidemic of mental illness, we have an epidemic of psychiatry. You eat too much, it's a disease, it's an addiction. You smoke too much, it's a disease. You are too unhappy, it's a disease. You're too thin, it's a disease. No free will, it's all chemicals. No self-discipline, no self-control. Nobody has yet measured, demonstrated, or created a test to show that somebody has a chemical I don't know what his name is. When I went to medical school, there were only six or seven items in the manual. Now there are over 300. I mean, you mean to tell me that there have been 294 diseases no, discovered? He's just repeating now what he just said. So, I mean, I don't know. It's I, I don't know who this guy is. 
I, 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 I want to know what his name is so I can do some research expert? on him. I can't figure it out. Well, he's a psychiatrist, apparently, based on the video. But I don't know. There's no name, so I couldn't look him up. I want to I want to substantiate what he's saying. Now, I do like his point about I, I think there is this thing we're doing nowadays very, very much where everything that goes wrong in somebody's life, they attribute to a chemical imbalance. And it's a way, I think, of avoiding responsibility. So whatever, anything that goes wrong, whether it's career-wise or relationship-wise or whatever, your health, you can't get in shape. Oh, I'm too depressed. I can't work out. Oh, I'm, 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 I have a chemical imbalance. That's why I can't keep a job. I'm not feeling well. I must be, I must have some sort of illness. That's why I can't get up in the morning and go to work. That's why I'm in a fight with my wife or my husband. Like, I feel like what he, his point about free will and self-discipline, I like that because it speaks to, it speaks to people having to adopt responsibility and take some accountability for the things that are happening in their lives. And I think there's an, uh, there's an extreme avoidance of responsibility in America today, especially in my generation and, and the younger generation. So that point I like. Now, whether it's true or not, what he's saying about the, about the epidemic of psychiatry, I don't know. It is interesting, though, that he says there were six or seven conditions in the manual when he went to medical school, I don't know, but it, 50 years ago based on his appearance uh, versus like right. versus 300 now. <laughs> Maybe he, ha he hasn't read a book in the past 20 years. <laughs> it could be. Like I said, I don't know. He could be full of, full of shit. I don't know who this guy is. I'm trying to do some research on him to figure it out. I can't figure it out. But um, psychiatry is is a fascinating field. I think if I would have, if I had it in me to get through medical school and residency, I probably would have been a psychiatrist. Either that or maybe orthopedic surgeon. That's but, quite uh, a range. For sure. Well, psychiatry is its own thing, right? Like I, to me, it's like all doctors are on one side and then psychiatrists are on another side because they deal with. It's illness still, of the mind. It's illness. Is it illness of the mind or illness of the brain? Because if you believe it's a chemical imbalance, then it's an illness of the brain. No. If you believe that the frontal lobe damage is causing you to act in a certain manner, that's an illness of the brain, not the mind. The mind is a metaphysical thing. Whoa. Yeah, I just, I go deep. <laughs> you didn't really know I was deep. smart. You didn't uh -huh. know that? All these years we've known each other, you, you didn't know I was intelligent? Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a deeply thoughtful, careful, analytical the, person. The, the Russians might steal you. They might. You know, they've tried. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You, um, my, my sister is... Uh, you're a national secret. Are you a weapon of mass <laughs> destruction? Uh, I can be destructive, but I choose not to. My sister is dating a guy currently who's going through his uh, anesthesia residency. And oh, she changed? Yeah, I'm not sure what you're referring to, and we're not going to get into that, but she's been with this guy for a while now, and um, he's he's pretty much a genius. The guy, he just took some kind of test. I don't know what kind of test it is. And he got the highest score ever in the history of the department. Like the dude is all brains, no muscle, but he's a, he's a scrawny, he's a scrawny a dude, but I make him pretty smart. I think <laughs> he just needs to do some pushups. Uh -huh. If they end up getting married, I'm going to have one brother-in-law who's chubby and another brother-in-law who's scrawny. I'm like, can I get just one buff brother-in-law? What's the deal? 
I, but I can work, you know, maybe I can fix that. I don't know. Maybe if I talk enough shit, they'll start working out. It hasn't worked with Matt. We'll see if it works with the new guy. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I'll sit there talking shit to my brother-in-law, Matt, while he's eating ice cream. I'm like, bro, come on, put that down, do some push-ups. Just keeps eating ice cream, which is funny because now I'm selling Ozempic. We were talking before the podcast. What is Ozempic? What exactly is it? Boy, I hope my manager doesn't watch this, this podcast and I reveal my ignorance to him. How, <laughs> it's how, a, what's the name of it? What is so the, it's a it's a GLP one agonist. Okay. And what's how does what does it actually do? I'm not comfortable speaking on it yet, just because okay. I'm still in training. So how I don't want to give any I don't want to give any misinformation. What's the name of the drug? It's it's called Ozempic. No, the that, medication, the brand is called the actual medication, like that's what, what, what they I, sell it under. Oh, it's semaglutide. Okay. Is that what you're asking? Bingo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So there's that. And then there's the pill form of it, which is called Rebelsis. And these are type 2 diabetes. Uh, they're medications for type so 2 diabetes. So what happens if somebody who is not diabetic takes it? That's a good question. And I don't know. They're probably going to lose some weight because that's one of the side effects of uh, semaglutide, even though Ozempic, neither Ozempic not, nor Rebelsis is indicated for weight loss, but that is a side effect. Uh, Ozempic does have cardiovascular protection as well as how does it proven protect the heart? That I don't know. As well as proven reduction of A1C. So, okay. but both of them do that. Ozempic and Rebelsis are, are so. What happens to me for, if I take it and I'm not diabetic, brother? You'd have to ask a doctor, or you'd have to ask somebody who's had this who's job for for more than three months, who's actually read the manual. So somebody who's who's finished their training. I'm still, man. I'm fresh, so that's why I don't want to speak on it because I might give off bad information. Okay, good. so yeah, but um, but you're right. It is incredibly popular. There's been some uh, people in the, you know, there's been some celebrities who who uh, have um, gotten um, skinny very fast. <laughs> yeah, I suppose you could say that. Uh, really, you know, the benefit I think comes from well, one one of the benefits is it just causes people to eat less, mm -hmm. and uh, that's what they tell me. Food doesn't look appetizing anymore. It's uh, so I know somebody who's on it and they told me that they stopped craving potato chips, which is a first for like, and they've always loved potato chips and French fries. And they're like, I can't eat French fries anymore. Like it's changing their cravings, which is interesting. Again, this is not scientific. Don't anybody be like, oh, you know, this guy said that Ozempic changes cravings. No, I'm saying that's what one person told me. So what if you, if you uh, smoke pot, and take Ozempic. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I don't know, man. You know what? People talk about the munchies from marijuana. I, for me, the worst munchies are the midnight munchies. Like, I normally go to bed around 11 o'clock. Mm -hmm. But if I stay up till midnight, Must it, be it's, nice. it's dangerous. You know, some of us wake up at 5 a.m. Well, well, you chose to be a doctor. You should have been a sales rep. <laughs> I do 11 to 6 I'm not pretty enough. Well, I, no, you're 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 a good-looking guy and plus you're friendly, you're you're sociable. You you get along with people well. You you have done well as a salesman. I think, I don't know. But I mean, you're doing just fine as an anesthesiologist. No. <laughs> I don't think you have any regrets except maybe you have to get up early sometimes. Uh are you ever on call? Yeah, sure. At least once a month the whole week. 
I work at a trauma hospital, so somebody has to be there all the time. True. But, uh, but yeah, I don't, uh, if I stay up till midnight, man, that's when, that's when the real munchies come out. And I tell people, I'm like, I don't need to get high. And they're like, oh, food is so good when you're high. I'm like, bro, I'm a, I'm a, I'll destroy like a whole, I mean, I just put food in front of me. I'll, I'll eat it all. But you know what? I'm down 16 pounds since, Doing what? since moving back to El Paso. You couldn't tell I'm all slim and shredded and everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, you haven't seen me in a while, but. No, I um, can tell you're thin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm down 16 pounds. I checked myself this morning. I was 202. I was, so you I'm were emba- kind of chubby. Oh, before. my God. Oh, yeah. I got I got hefty. I'm embarrassed to say it, but I got up to 218 because I was bored eating a lot in San Antonio. I just, like, I had my job. See, you but after have been in El Paso. Well, that's why I came back. I had my job, and that kept me busy to a certain degree, but not too busy. Because after a while, you get to know the territory, you know the customers, you know what to do. So your workload decreases a little bit. Like a lot of my workload right now with the new job is just learning, reading all these manuals and watching all these videos. And like, there's so much. So you've actually started. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, So there's a lot to learn. You need to read the manual more than once. (laughs) Oh, for sure. I mean, I'm learning all about diabetes and it's complicated, as I'm sure you know. So there's that plus the house that I bought that's that I'm renovating plus doing the podcast. So I've just had a lot going on. So some days I'm really just forgetting to eat. So not you're, to you're, an unhealthy level. So you're actually doing the remodeling yourself? I'm uh, pretty much yeah, like ninety percent of so it. So you're a handy guy. I can be if I need to. If the situation requires it, I can. Be. But some people can't do that yeah. stuff. Well, that sucks for them. <laughs> you're a very nice guy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Very yeah. compassionate, I can uh, tell. Well, listen, man, I think sensitivity is destroying America. I think people's feelings are their problems. I, I place facts above feelings always. So, so yeah, I'm doing a Oof. lot of the work myself. And as a result, I'm super busy. I still work out every day. Uh, and so, so, yeah, some days I'm just not, I, I either don't have time to eat or I just forget to eat because it's just, I'm busy. Again, not to an unhealthy level. I'm not going anorexic or anything. But um, I actually, I'm, I'm much better off now than I was three months ago when I was just bored eating all the time. That's what that weight gain was. It was just bored, what you just eat? bored eating. Uh, a lot of mac and cheese, <laughs> just bowls and bowls of mac and cheese. I'm telling you, if I stay up late, it's, it's, you know, break out the grilled cheese sandwiches. Then that's not doing the job. Then I eat a whole bag of chips. Then I look in the fridge or in the freezer. Oh, look, there's a pint of dark chocolate ice cream. Eat the whole pint. Maybe you I'm should still hungry. Make early. some pasta. Yeah, I try. That's where melatonin comes in. I got to take some melatonin. I got to basically induce a come. Why don't you give your patients melatonin instead of anesthesia, instead of propofol? <laughs> that doesn't work as well. Huh? Bingo. That's We're hilarious. not going into that. <laughs> um. So it's, you've heard ignorance is bliss. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, to to some to some yeah it could be a burden on those around you but if you're the idiot then you're probably fine so that's why society's a burden on me yeah rough little devil aren't you <laughs> so michael jackson was on a ton of propofol he was taking it every day i don't know enough but when the little i know he was really stressed because he was going to restart his career again and i believe it was he was in his early 50s and starting a career again 
and having been as successful as he was as a child, as a teenager, as an adult, it's very hard to do to actually get to the top and stay at the top um, forever. For sure. And he was going to do that again. And he was under a lot of stress and he couldn't sleep. Sometimes when you're very stressed, you can't sleep. So they were giving him propofol like was every day to knock him out. Man, whose idea was to do that? I wonder if that he had like a, like a traveling doctor or nurse or somebody that was giving him that shit. Cause that sounds like. I, that, I don't know the whole story. And so what, what are the ramifications of using propofol regularly and for a long period of time? Like, can you take a little bit every day and, and be okay? <laughs> it's not, it's not meant to be used that way. So what would you, happen? If, because if you give yourself enough, you stop breathing. And, but if you're taking a low enough dose that you're not going to stop breathing, but you're just taking it every night to go to sleep, you need to, it's, it's not out there for, uh, no, no, I know, but it sounds like that's what he was doing. Adjuvant. So I'm just curious what would happen if somebody did. I know it's not You'd die, <laughs> but how, like from what? Didn't he die? <laughs> yeah, but how? He stopped breathing. <laughs> That's why we put that tube in their throat. Because you stop breathing and yeah. we need to breathe for you. Yeah, 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 that's true. Isn't it kind of ridiculous? I feel like it's a little bit, I feel like this is an argument against the so-called intelligent design, which is we have the trachea and the esophagus and they, and you can reach them both through the, through the mouth which inevitably causes a certain amount of people to die every year from choking. Mm -hmm. I feel like, I think dolphins have, they, they breathe and they eat from, from two different, from two separate holes. You know what I'm saying? But mm -hmm. humans, you're always at risk of swallowing a grape and that's it, Jack. You're done. Well, but it, if your airway closes when you swallow. Not always. That's why sometimes people are eating, they start coughing because something goes in the airway. Well, if you're not paying attention to what you're doing. People, like uh, people who are bad at multitasking? Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> you're, su you're supposed to stop breathing and talking when you swallow. I never thought about it. I guess I'm... Think about uh, it's it. Just, it's a subconscious action, so I don't need to think about it. It's like, oh, you know, my my heart is beating. Yeah, I don't need to think about that. Thankfully, it just happens on its own. Mm-hmm. Because you might forget. For sure. So there's got to be some instances as an anesthesiologist where things are going sideways and everybody's flipping the fuck out and they're looking at you. What do we do? Dr. Rivera, what do we do? Usually you have control of over what I do. Actually, I've in, always in all your years control. of practicing though, have there like there must have been some events where things went sideways. Like what about patients who have an allergic reaction to the anesthesia? That's very rare. I've never seen one. Really? Yeah. And I've been practicing for more than 20 years. Oh wow. The, it, it's just not that common. So when it does happen, though, like if it did happen, what would you do? You'd turn the anesthetic off uh -huh. for once. We, it depends on what actually happened. It, 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 um, 
the anesthesia rarely goes wrong. That's good to know. Because we are trained to make sure it goes well. Yeah. It's like an orthopedist who sets a bone, a tibia. It rarely goes wrong because they know what they're doing. You know what? I had a, a, a podiatrist tell me one time. He goes, if I'm setting a bone in place and I'm not totally sure that, like I'm not positive that that's the way it's supposed to be, I'll consult with the rep, with the surgical rep. <laughs> like he'll ask the rep, does that look good to you? Because he said his point is like these reps, all they do all day is they're in the OR seeing that procedure because whatever it is that, they, that they're selling has to do with that specific procedure. And he goes, if I'm having second thoughts, if I'm wondering, because he's like, if I think it's perfect, I don't need to ask anybody. But if I'm like, ah, I'm not sure, if the, just the fact that I'm having doubt means I need a second opinion. And the best second opinion I can have in the OR is the sales rep. I'm like, well, that's, 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 an, I never thought about that. I, I don't have anyone I can ask if I, if my anesthesia is correct. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a little different I rely for you, on myself. Right? Yeah. It's a little different for you. Oh, that's funny. So now every time I see you, your first question is, how's your incredible life? So I'm going to ask you, how's your incredible life? Incredible. Oh, that's good. I'm happy to hear that. What makes it incredible? Are you traveling anywhere? I know you like to travel. Yes. Soon I'm going to, if everything goes well and we get there, I'll be going to Korea and Japan. South Korea or North Korea? South, <laughs> of course. Oh, I, I'm not sure Kim Jong-un is going to let me in. No? I We're not best friends. I don't know. You might win him over. Um, have you been there before? No. Okay. Not in Japan or Korea. That's what I'm going. Okay. Why but, I'm going. Cool. But you've been to quite a few places on that side of the globe, right? You've been to Vietnam, right? Yes. How was that? Beautiful. Vietnam is a beautiful country. What'd you do there? I saw the country. <laughs> I ate their food. I wow. went to their temples. Are there any countries you've been to that you really want to go back to that you've been to more than once? Vietnam might go back to. Yeah. I'd go back to India. I go back to How about uh, Sri New Zealand. I've been to Sh uh, Sri Lanka. Uh, I'd go back there again. Yeah. Very friendly people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What was cool about it aside from friendly people? It's a beautiful country. Hmm. And they have uh, great cinnamon. Cinnamon? And, tea and, and <laughs> sapphires, jewels. Okay. So do you do excursions when you travel or things like that? Because my sure. oh, when I travel, people are like, let's go to whatever country. And I'm like, well, that sounds cool. But like, what am I going to do when I get there? I don't know the roads. I don't know where to hang one, out. One thing that people tend not to do is have a plan. When you, when you travel, you must have a plan. Yeah, I'm bad at that. You, you must know where, what cities you're going to visit, what you're going to do what, when you're there. Uh, what are you going to eat? Where are you going to eat? You have to have plans. You plan everything, every detail of your trip? Sometimes. Oh, my sister's like that. She travels like you're a lot. supposed to. 
Hey, yeah. See, I'm bad at that though. I guess that's probably why I get maybe anxious, anxious, not the right word. Maybe just frustrated with traveling. Cause I feel like I'm in this foreign place and I have no idea where to go or what to do. You have to have lists of things you're going to do places you're going to visit food. You're going to eat where are you going to eat? Yes, I guess so. I guess maybe I should get a tour guide or something. My sister, really if you're, if you're willing to do that by yourself, I would advise you to have somebody plan all of that for you. It becomes a lot more expensive, but sure. Yeah. You should do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what she does. She went to Japan. She said it was beautiful. Her only complaint was it was unacceptably. Is that a word? It was so expensive. It was unacceptable. She's like, it's just stupid expensive. Exorbitantly expensive. Ex that's the word, exorbitantly. Uh, yeah, she said it was ridiculous, but she ate chicken sashimi, which I thought was a pretty stupid thing to do. But she said, it's part of the cultural experience. You know, she's one of those people. Oh, it's part of the experience. Well, I'm like, food. salmonella is not, not a, an experience that I want to have. Well, you have to know that they're experts at eating raw food. Even poultry, though, doesn't that give you pause? Like, would you try it? I mean, you're about to go to Japan. If they offered you some chicken sashimi. I wouldn't because I'm a Westerner, but you don't see <laughs> you don't Japanese. Trust the experts? You, you don't see, because I'm not used to eating raw chicken, you fool. That's the reason. I, but you don't get used to salmonella. No, but that doesn't mean that all poultry has salmonella. <laughs> Otherwise, Everybody would be dead. Or develop a tolerance for it. Mm, it would take a while. Remember, salmonella itself has evolved to, to continue on this planet. What if all the people who are susceptible to salmonella in Japan have already died, and the only ones who are left can eat raw chicken and be unaffected by it? It'd be very hard to prove. I'm not trying to prove it. I'm just saying it's possible. Everything's possible. <laughs> See, that's where, when it comes to medicine, <clears throat> if you sit a philosopher and a scientist together, I think they'll drive each other crazy because the scientist is like, well, we have evidence and studies to prove that A causes B. Some of us are philosophers too. Well, but the philosopher will say, that you can never prove anything. So you don't you don't think there can past be the level scientists. Of hypothesis. You don't believe there can be scientists who are philosophers too. I, I I've never really thought about that. So I don't know. Like, what do you mean? I guess you could be. Yeah, you could be a scientist and a philosopher. Are you a philosopher? I've read books. That doesn't make you a philosopher. That makes you a reader. Well, what, what I'm saying read, is, what if you read a philosophy book? That makes you somebody who read a philosophy book. You could read Twilight. It doesn't make you a vampire. Well, you could read a medicine book. <laughs> you could read Harry Potter. It doesn't make you a wizard. <laughs> I'm just talking Are shit. Are you sure you haven't <laughs> been smoking recently? <laughs> oh, I'm just talking shit. I'm just being ridiculous. Uh, let me do a plug for this whiskey real quick. 
Okay. So I met this guy who imports this whiskey from Lebanon. This is a Lebanese brand, which is why I'm rocking my Lebanese flag today. You see that? I got this from Zahli, Lebanon, from a little store called Monamit. Zahli? Zahli. That's where my mom's from. And we have a house there. But this bottle, it's called Ana Beirut. Oh, you can't really see it very well on the camera. Uh, Ana means I am in Arabic. So it's called Ana Beirut, which means I am Beirut. Uh, so would you like to try some? I'm going to try some. Okay. No pressure. I mean, if you don't want to, it's no, cool. No, no, I do. I would. Okay, cool. Grab that glass right there. This one? Yeah, let's have some. Ah, it smells good. I'm just, I'm a lightweight, so I just have a tiny bit, like a couple fingers. Would you like some ice? No. Okay, good. Just a little bit. Just like you served yourself. Cool. That good? Yeah. All right. Cheers, brother. Cheers. Great aroma. Oh, that smell good. Oh, that's strong. That's a man's whiskey. I know. I like women. it. It's got good flavor. I know some women who drink whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. Feminists. <laughs> uh -huh. You don't have to be a feminist to drink whiskey. <laughs> no, I know. I'm a feminist. Um, you are. Sure. Oh boy, here we go. It's a good thing I just had a shot <laughs> before we get into you being a feminist. Um, it's got good flavor. I can't tell you what the flavor is because my palate is not that sophisticated. I, to me, I have, I, I have, I, when I try something, I either like it or I don't like it. People go, well, why don't you like it? What does it taste like? I, I don't know. It just sucks. Or I like it and I say, I don't know why I like it. It's just good. This is good. That's how people usually like things. Ana Beirut. I feel I'm I'm feeling the 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 Lebanese the 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 vibe of my country right now coursing through my veins. Mm. All right. Moving on, Mr. Feminist. Um India, I'd like to go to, except I am worried about the pollution. It's very polluted. Super polluted. Like like in uh I think New Delhi. You can't you can't see the visibility is so bad you can't even see ten meters. It's just I particles in the air. It's horrible. I wouldn't say it. It's not normally that bad. That ten you said ten feet. I don't know. I'm just making up a number. Okay. I've seen videos and oh, it's quite polluted. If but hopefully they'll they'll get their act together and and get rid of cars. They need to right. Well, well get rid of cars. How are, you go, how are you going to get around? You know, people go back to horseback. They're selling cars. But electric cars aren't without fault. I mean, you have to power them up, right? And to power them up, you have to burn coal. You have to generate power somehow. Like electricity doesn't just Not come from the sky. Electricity, well, they have a very, very bright. I uh, guess it does come from the sky if we're talking about lightning, but. No, sun. Solar powered? Mm-hmm. They have plenty but of what do you sun. do if you live in Seattle? We were talking about India. Okay. Oh, yeah. oh, so you just want to get rid of cars in India? I'd get rid of cars everywhere, but <laughs> I don't have a choice. Yeah. So in India, there's a lot of cars, combustion engines. Right. And if they drove um, electric cars, maybe they would decrease <clears throat> the amount of air pollution. Yeah, perhaps. I'm not really sure what's causing all their air pollution. No, I, re sure. I read that it has to do with with inadequate 
disposing of garbage. They burn it. What do we do with it in America? Do you know? I've always wondered. How do we dispose of it? Do we just pile it all? Is there just like a giant, like a Mount Everest of trash somewhere where we just compress garbage and, and throw it on this, on this hill? You're assuming I know everything. I, I mean, I thought you were smart. I thought you, I thought I you were well read. <laughs> yeah, I no, am. I'm just saying, no, listen, man, part of this podcast is just like, just hypotheticals and, and wonder. And so one of the things that I've actually recently uh, discovered, and again, it's like anything with the internet, how much of it is true, I don't know. But this guy was saying, if you want to lessen the negative effects of plastic on the environment, stop recycling. Because our recycled plastic, less than 10% of it actually gets recycled. The majority of it gets packaged and shipped to countries like Malaysia or India, perhaps, and it ends up in their water. Why don't we just get rid of plastic? Well, good luck with that. How are you going to get rid of plastic? I'm not what are you, an what are you, what are you going to replace it with? Glass? <clears throat> so there are plastics that will fall apart they're more expensive biodegradable plastic mm -hmm. really because that's the issue right is that when you throw away a plastic bottle it'll stay that way for i don't know thousands or hundreds of thousands of years or something before it biodegrades before it falls apart but like cardboard biodegrades much faster that's why in california they're like oh we're gonna use cardboard straws and then why not? and then they just fall apart while you're drinking while you're halfway through your tea well, you might have to drink without a straw. It's difficult when there's ice in the glass. Ooh. <laughs> the glass. That's, I mean, the it, ice might, I, is it the not ice true, though? might hit your lip. It, That's what bothers it, you. It, <laughs> it's, you've never tried to drink with ice or in the glass. Or a tough guy. It obstructs. It gets in the way of or the drink. Or a tough guy. You're quite a sissy. It's. Well, no, see, I'm a tough guy, but I believe in efficiency. And if it doesn't promote efficiency, I don't want it. If it makes it more difficult to do so, I don't want it. You know, that's why I, don't, I won't, I refuse to use QR codes at restaurants because I'm all about technology. I love technology, but technology is there to enhance things and make things, make my, make tasks more efficient. If I, if I, like, if you just give me a menu, I could just look at the menu and say, I want this, this, and that. But if you tell me scan the QR code, well, fuck, now I got to get my phone out. Unlock it, scan the code. It's loading because the connection sucks. Page opens up. Okay, cool. Here are the appetizers. Zoom in, zoom out. Next page. Phone gets phone freezes up again because the internet sucks. I'm waiting on it. It's loading. Shit, I forgot the appetizers. Click back. Oh damn, it just froze again. Fuck. It you know, so I won't do it. That's all I'm saying. Okay. You're a lot of things annoy you. Have you oh my that? God. Yeah, so much. Yeah, a lot of things for sure. Yeah. Where are you working out now? I am. Should we advertise? Mary Ellen's gym. The Backstreet Gym? Mm -hmm. It's a solid gym. It's badass. Yeah. The equipment in there is Still, amazing. I hate, I hate how quiet it is. It's yeah, just like, it's so quiet in there. You could hear a rat piss on cotton. But aside from that, there's incredible equipment. I won't, I mean, I'm not going to deny that. I left because it just wasn't my vibe, but she's got amazing equipment. Okay. Well, you could get a headset and listen to whatever music you like. I don't like that. I don't like having music in my ears. It bothers me. That's one of those things that annoy me. I mean, you've noticed I 
could be irritable perhaps. Um, but no, it's a solid gym. You've been going there for a while. <laughs> See, now you want to medicate me. I'm good. I don't need medication. I don't believe in it. That's what you think. No, that's what I know. My life is great without it. I see medic. You know what? You know what my my counselor is? My counselor, my doctor, all my doctors. You're seeing are, a counselor? No, 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 no. My counselor is is a round of jujitsu or a punching bag or a kettlebell, a hard workout. That's my counselor. Whatever issues I have, I go kill myself in the gym and then ah. I'm just chill. I'm relaxed. You're such a mat- macho cool. man. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm the only alpha male of my generation. <laughs> I'm the only one. They're all gone. There's none left. What happened? <laughs> they became feminists. No. <laughs> I'm quite accomplished. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you definitely are. But a lot of that, you- feminists can, feminists can be accomplished. In fact, you just contradicted yourself. How? Well, what did you say about me? You are a successful doctor. <laughs> Short-term memory. Whiskey. You need to work on that. No, don't blame the whiskey. Wait, well, isn't that, you know, when people come out of anesthesia, don't they have, what do they call it, anesthesia brain? I never heard of it. Like where, where you kind of, you're kind of, you feel dumb for a while or like you can't recall things. Doesn't that happen? It takes like a day to wear off or something like my, my, well, it depends probably on what you use, but so, you can, you can do an anesthetic where you're very lucid right afterwards. Oh, really? Sure. So my uncle, he died. At, I just did one today. Yeah. I woke somebody up and said, could you please move to the other bed? And she did it. Oh, wow. So, and she was following commands. That's the first thing you should be able to do. No. I, maybe, maybe so, if you use certain medications, too much of certain medications, you could be kind of stupid afterwards. Maybe, or is it after, maybe not after like a short surgery, but after being intubated for a while? Like it happened with my uncle. Now he was in his late 80s when that happened, but he was intubated for about two weeks. I think it was like 12 days or something. Oh, sure. And when he came out Did of you it, think you would, home, if you were unconscious for two weeks, you'd lose track of time. <laughs> it wasn't track of time. When he came home, you couldn't have a conversation with him. It took days before he, like, I would look at him and talk to him and he would just look at me and he would look at his hand and like, he was just so confused. Like he didn't know where he was. He wasn't coherent. There yeah, are many it, it, reasons, reasons for that. One probably is just being 87 years old, however old he was when it happened. And there could be the arthrosclerosis in the brain. That's you know, a, that, it, this thing is quite powerful. I'm feeling the effects. <laughs> really? Yes. Arthrosclerosis, isn't that a cardiac condition? No. Oh, no, that's, that's just arteries. That, yeah. yeah. Bingo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your brain works pretty well sometimes, under alcohol. Yeah, sometimes. That's all right. That's all <laughs> we right. need to give you more. I, you know, the biggest reason, well, maybe not the biggest reason. I mean, I'm not a fan of getting drunk. I had a hangover once in my life. That was enough for me. But uh, well, Moderate use. But Everything with moderation. Well, it, it lowers testosterone. That's why I don't like it. But every now and then, yeah. Are you scared of that? For sure, yeah. Not scared of it, but I'm aware of it. What are you going to do I'm when your testosterone oh, TRT, is very low? TRT, for sure. Yeah. I mean, eat raw liver. 
and uh, kill things. I believe that raises testosterone and uh, take TRT if necessary. I think going hunting raises testosterone. I really think so. Listen, it's not science. I've read no studies, but if it's a placebo and it works, fuck it. I'll take the placebo. You know, that's what I tell people. Sometimes I'm taking a supplement and they go, are you sure that works? I'm like, if it's a $30 placebo, that's going to make my knee feel better. I'll buy it all day. What, uh, what supplements do you take? Potassium. That's been a big one for me. Why? I don't know. My blood work is normal. My potassium levels are normal, but I get these severe muscle strains from time to time where, and it tends to happen either in my upper back Sometimes in my lower back, but most often in my neck, my neck and traps would just lock up and I'll be stuck like this for days. Like I won't be able to turn out, like I'll just be stuck either this way or this way, depending on where the injury is. And it sucks. It's excruciating to get out of bed, to, to roll onto my side. Just horrible. Like I'm a hazard to everybody on the road. Cause I can't check my shoulder. I mean, it's just, it's terrible. And you take potassium and salsa. And I think potassium has been helping with that. Another thing I've been doing is adding salt to my water bottles when I go to jujitsu because I sweat so much. So I started adding. I mean, people take sodium tablets, but I'm ghetto. I just put a teaspoon of salt in there. And then. Ghetto, you've probably never been to one. To what? A ghetto. To the ghetto? Bro, I went to Walmart the other day. Right here on Mesa Street. <laughs> that's that's as ghetto as it gets. Okay. Listen. <laughs> you know I'm right. That's why you don't need that's why you're laughing. You don't even have a comeback. Uh and then is there anything sharp around here? <laughs> there's nothing sharp. Okay. And then um I I'm I'm taking now, newly taking this supplement called Osteobiflex. It's supposed to be like a joint support thing. And I can tell you of some other ones. Tell me. I know you're big on supplements. Not here. Not here. What are the ones that you can talk about it's on the podcast? A, no, I think it's inappropriate because of what I do to plug. Um, have you heard of, to plug uh, uh, products? Even a supplement like a like a like fish oil or something? No, peptides. Okay. That's peptides are new. Peptides are proteins. We have all kinds of proteins that do all kinds of things. And there are peptides. Actually, I was going to get you some, give you some as a gift, because I haven't seen you for a while, well, my thank friend. You. These peptides can help you grow bone and cartilage. Oh, no shit. Yes, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so could they help with my meniscus tear i don't know because i'm not an expert on that but um why haven't you gotten your meniscus tear repaired that can be done because i'm lebanese lesbianese and now you just told me all this stuff about what's going to happen to me when i go into surgery and i'm like i don't know if i want to be paralyzed are you scared uh, I'm worried. I'm a little bit worried. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. such a macho, macho man. I, well, I'm macho when I'm alert and in control of my surroundings, which is one of the reasons I don't like being drunk or in an altered mental state. Oh, I like to be I in control of it. my surroundings. I get it. I get it. So are you scared? I, would you be scared to let me make you unconscious? Terrified. Why? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to 
No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I wouldn't be scared of it. I mean, it's it's if if you die in surgery, you die, right? You just they put you to sleep. So yeah. No, most people don't die in surgery. Probably keyword most ninety nine point nine 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 and more make it every day. In my career, and I've done a lot of anesthetics, thousands of anesthetics, no one has died. <laughs> from what i've done if, if someone dies tomorrow it's, it's your gonna, fault it's gonna be a curse the podcast is cursed uh -huh. <laughs> oh man so when are we gonna stop this oh i don't know we usually go for three hours it's only been no, an hour enough what do you have to do nothing but i'm running out of conversation <laughs> there's no we never run out of conversation so we um so, um, so the potassium has been a big one for me as well but as you, it could kill you too much potassium too much. You. Yeah. I mean, if I take a whole bottle, but if I just take a tablet, cause it's a little supplement thing. Oh, if it's I just take not, a tablet, it's, it's not, not medical grade potassium. No, no, it's not like a, like I'm taking it in you an IV. Have, you could have, your heart could stop working. Right. If you take too much potassium or, or if you're too low on sodium, right. Your heart will stop beating. There's one that makes your heart beat, and there's one that makes your heart. Some other things would just pull this, a little, pull this a little closer to you. Um, some other things would happen first before. What was it that you said uh, sodium would do? Make your heart stop beating if you, if it's too if it's depleted, your heart would too stop much. beating, right? It, it's more like uh, potassium would do that more. Okay. Sodium, low sodium would start messing up with your brain first. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. You'd be stupid. I or, thought low glucose. I thought the brain needed glucose. I didn't realize it needed sodium. Can I go pee? Yeah. Oh, is that why you want to end the podcast? <laughs> we can wrap it up. Uh, this has been... We can uh, continue. Okay, then go No, pee. we can continue on another occasion. <laughs> on another subject. All right, very well. Uh, well, let's end this then. Um, this has been informative. Thank you. It's always good to see you, brother. And I uh, appreciate you doing this. Thank Thanks. you. Later, everybody. Bye. My ears. I have big ears. You don't have big ears. You have little ears. <laughs> <laughs>